0: Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 228 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I am joined by a special guest who brings us firsthand insight straight from her time spent in the forests of Tanzania studying our very own wild cousins, chimpanzees. On top of fascinating topics like the primate family tree, toe thumbs, termite popsicles, and fear grimaces, our guest shares some really unique experiences like naming chimpanzees, Getting punched by one and having the opportunity to watch them grow and learn in their very own home. Just the Zoo of Us presents Chimpanzees with Shannon Royvis. This is Ellen Weatherford with Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast this week. I am so excited to bring you a brand new friend with an amazing animal to talk about. This is Shannon Royvis. Say hi, Shannon. Hello. And Shannon, what are your pronouns real quick?
1: I use she, her
0: pronouns. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk to you. For our friends listening, let's get to know you a little bit. What got you into the work that you do with these really cool animals?
1: Yeah, so I work with chimpanzees, wild chimpanzees in Tanzania. And all of this really started, I wasn't necessarily an animal kid growing up, but I was a science kid. I loved biology. And I was always really interested in this relationship between environmental influences and animals, particularly large animals. Sorry to all the microbiologists out there, but big respect (laughs) for what they do. But I always loved big charismatic animals. And I always really liked the idea of evolution and change over time and the way that environment shapes species. So I went into my undergrad degree expecting, you know what, I'm going to try to be a medical doctor. And I'm not here talking to you about people's <laughs> health. So, shockingly enough, that's not where I ended up. But I went to Duke uh, University for undergrad and I picked it because of the Lemur Center there, which I know, as you mentioned, has been featured on the pod before. Great people talking about the lemurs there. Love Duke Lemur Center. It's so great. It's it's amazing.
0: Can I tell you real quick some like Twitter, like very lighthearted and joking, but brief little like Twitter discourse I had between me and the Duke Lemur Center. Yes, please. <laughs> I don't remember what the context was, but at some point I said something about eye eyes not necessarily being the cutest. <gasps> Ellen, no. Which I stand by. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're not going to gaslight me into thinking that eyes are, like, adorable. But I said something offhanded about it. And Duke Lemur Center on Twitter, like, the official account was like, actually...
1: As they should,
0: <laughs> was fully standing up for eye and like, but look at this adorable eye picture. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can't like argue with you. You're clearly the authority on the eye
1: <laughs> and incredibly
0: unbiased. Yeah, so I was like, I'm so sorry this had to be how we <laughs> initiate correspondence. <laughs> it was all lighthearted. It was all in good fun. Yeah,
1: hopefully this episode can be a little bit of goodwill then. <laughs> Continued goodwill. An olive branch. An olive branch, exactly. <laughs> On that note, shout out to Baby Jinx, the cutest little eye baby. I am a big fan of the Duke Lemur Center Instagram, Twitter, social media, all of it.
0: <laughs> Jinx is such a good name for an eye, eye too, because of their like oh, no. associations it... with like supernatural.
1: It's not Jinx. I think it's Binx, actually. So now I've put my foot oh. in my mouth. <laughs> I think it's Binks Binx is like, also a good name. Binx from because they're all named after spooky characters in fiction or spooky people historically. So there's Poe. There's I think an alphabet. So they're all named after witches and like superstitious critters. Okay, so, so I at least from... had the right energy. Hocus pocus, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And I was really lucky not only to be able to visit the Lemur Center as a student, but I also took a course called Primate Behavioral Ecology. Oh my gosh. That sounds fascinating. It was amazing. So I had taken an introductory course about human evolution because a lot of primatologists were in a field called evolutionary anthropology or biological anthropology. And this is a way of understanding humans through our close evolutionary relatives like other primates. But I, in those classes where we're talking about, you know, ancient hominin, which is our fancy word for human ancestors, all of that evolution and everything going on, whenever there was a primate in lecture being discussed, that's where my attention was drawn. I just absolutely loved it. So the chance to actually take a class at the Lemur Center where I got to practice the methods of following and studying wild animals as a class I got to do that as, like, my day-to-day. It was amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a dream. It was great. So I would wake up. It was an 8.30 class, which is a little bit early for a college student.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I would never have gone to that
1: class. <laughs> not even for You <laughs> would lemurs, not be seeing me. <laughs> not even for the adorable lemurs. I mean,
0: it would, it would be a hard sell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Here's my pitch, then, for it. So you go out into the Duke Forest, has a section that's been kind of penned off specifically for the lemur center's use. So if you're not familiar with the lemur center, it's both has like indoor enclosures, but also they're semi free ranging. So they have really large areas of the forest that individuals can go out and explore and kind of really demonstrate behaviors you would see in the wild.
0: I did not know that. Like, I had no clue. I thought it was all just like little indoor building like enclosures.
1: It's very different from what you would see at like a zoo, for example. So, I was outside in trying to fight my way through spider webs that are covered in dew in the morning. (laughs) One of the best lessons I learned in that class was not necessarily about, you know, science or lemurs, but if you're walking through a very forested area with a lot of spider webs, because we get massive spider webs there. If you carry a large stick in front of you, it'll knock them down as you go, which I'm sorry to (laughs) the spider friends out there. But that actually was a very useful skill later on in my career when I was working in Tanzania. Duke
0: is in North Carolina, right? Correct. Yeah. So you got those big banana spider webs out there, right?
1: Well, I'm not sure what kind of spider it is. But I was like, did these also come from madagascar because these are huge
0: (laughs) that sounds like banana spiders to me (laughs) those are big boys well you could do if you're walking through a spidery forest you could do what i do Mm -hmm. and have a partner with you who is much taller than you and have them walk ahead
1: you know what yep yeah i was at duke i should have grabbed one of those basketball players (laughs)
0: Like, hey, I do need you to just walk in front of me for a little while. Do not ask about why. <laughs> just don't worry about it. Just walk th- right through this path.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I would go out and then you'd follow the lemurs and there, there's no barrier between you and them. So you're truly just following them through the forest, recording what they're doing. And we got to design our own little projects Um, somewhat of a smaller scale than what I would do later on in my career. So it was a really great and really unique hands-on opportunity. And I did almost get peed on, but it was only once. So not to brag.
0: From what I've heard, though, getting peed on by like your study animal, that's like a sign of good luck.
1: Well, if you think that's a good thing, just wait until I tell you later about the year I spent in Tanzania, specifically (laughs) there to collect urine samples from chimpanzees. Oh, so they're doing the work for you. Well, yes, they're so (laughs) gracious. I got peed on pretty much every single day. (laughs) So you went to Tanzania
0: and got to apply these skills that you had learned in a very, very cool classroom setting. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess not a classroom setting, but like in a very adventurous academic setting. And you got to apply that in the real world, in the wild. What was that like?
1: It was great. It was the most magical experience. So... I spent 12 years, or (laughs) no.
0: I was about to say, you do not seem old enough to have spent 12 (laughs) years doing anything.
1: I actually was a baby genius scientist, started at 10. (laughs) No. So I spent 12 months in Western Tanzania at Gombe National Park. So if you're familiar with Jane Goodall, this is actually where she started her work in 1960, which is amazing. It's a project with a really wonderful legacy um so when jane arrived in 1960 she started collecting data on the population of chimpanzees there and then by the 1970s the way the data were collected on the chimpanzees which is all based on the idea of just following the chimpanzees and recording what you observe so pretty much anyone can do that right it doesn't take a lot of necessarily like scientific background because for example Jane Goodall herself didn't have a specialized degree in studying animals
0: yeah that makes sense because you're essentially just like you know making observations it doesn't require like you're not doing calculus out there
1: No the calculus comes later when we're back with our data at oh. our
0: universities shoot <laughs> I thought I was free from it
1: <laughs> um, but in the field you're you're going out and you're following the chimpanzees and you're taking observations of what they're doing all day and that can include things like where they're traveling what they're eating. All of that does take really specialized training, primarily at our research site at Gombe. All of the research since the late 70s has actually been conducted by local Tanzanian field staff. And these are people who are often from like lineages of families that have worked on the project and are extremely familiar with the landscape there, what plants grow there, what they look like in all of their different forms, because chimpanzees eat plants their diet is mainly fruit and then they eat some leaves things like that and then occasionally every now and then with their lucky they can catch a monkey or a bird or something like that to eat some sort of, of meat
0: wow and and like who better to Know the ins and outs of you know what they're and understand what they're looking at than someone who grew up there and their family has been there for long amounts of time. Like, who who's going to understand that better?
1: Exactly, and it's not always easy to walk into the forest and be like, All right, where are the chimpanzees today? So, I was really lucky to while I was there be trained by the staff at the research center at Gombe how to find chimps, what all of their foods look like, understanding. Who is who? Because they all have names, and you have to understand what their names are to understand their relationships with each other and accurately record what they're doing.
0: Did they already have names when you got there?
1: They already had names when I got there. However, there were several births while I was there during the year, and it was really Uh exciting to be included in the process of how does a chimpanzee get a name? So... The field assistants all come together. We have a nightly meeting where everybody pitches their idea of what a name for that chimpanzee should be. And it's really exciting. Um, And we have a naming scheme for the chimps where the first letter of the mom's name is always the first letter of all of her kids' names. So we have a female named Gremlin, and her daughters (laughs) are named Gaia Golden Glitter. And then those females have daughters that are named gossamer and glamour and then there's also sons in there gimli uh, and google who's a favorite so you get these lineages of names yeah that's a
0: really cool way of like yes you're you know kind of having fun with it and giving them like memorable uh names that are like oh isn't that cute but also it's a cool way of remembering who's related to who
1: exactly yeah it's It's both adorable and functional.
0: (laughs) My favorite type of function. Yeah.
1: And then ultimately, Jane Goodall is still heavily involved in the the project. So she gets the final say, the final stamp of approval on the naming of pretty much every chimp today.
0: Oh, it's got to go up. It's got to go all the way up to Jane. (laughs) Exactly. Straight to the top. As far as, you know, chimpanzee research goes, that's basically going straight to the top, right? Exactly. You mentioned that you have to go out there and you know find where the chimpanzees are uh, for people who are probably pretty unfamiliar with you know what the lifestyle of a chimpanzee is like in the wild where would you
1: find them that is a great question so for those who are unfamiliar chimpanzees live all across equatorial africa and chimpanzees are primarily found in anywhere that has at least some degree of permanent forest there are some chimps that live in savannas But primarily, you'll find them in what we think of as like tropical rainforests or dry forests. And chimps love fruit. They are ripe fruit specialists, which means that they're eating ripe fruit as the main part of their diet.
0: So are they spending a lot of time like down on the ground or up in the trees?
1: So where they're spending, like in terms of where in the canopy they are or where in the forest they are from top to bottom, really depends on what foods are available. So we can think of when we're in the grocery store, different fruits come into season at different times. And that's still true in the forest. So you'll get different types of plants that are producing fruits at different times of the year. And some of those plants are on the ground in kind of bushes. And some are going to be up really, really high in the trees. So primarily chimpanzees, when they're feeding, can be found kind of at any height, depending on what they're eating. But when they're traveling around, getting from place to place, they're mostly moving on their feet on the ground. That's cool
0: that they can go wherever they need to go to follow like whatever food is available. Exactly. I mean, if I relied on fruit and the only fruit available was at the very top of the tree, I'd be out of luck. That would be it for me. Like, sorry, <laughs> it's way up there. Can't reach it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'd be like, I'll just see what other people can drop down to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I think is impossible not to think about when you're looking at a chimpanzee, like if, you, if you've if you ever been up close to one in... I don't know, like a zoo setting or something like that, you will immediately feel this connection to them of like, that's my cousin, Mm -hmm. right? Like you feel, you look at them and you feel so like connected to them as a close sort of relative of ours as humans. And I wanted to ask if you could give us an idea of where chimpanzees are in like the family tree of us primates. Because I think that there's often a misconception. People have kind of an idea that chimpanzees are like, The ancestors of humans Mm. that like we came from chimpanzees. Like, I see that as a very common misconception. So, I was wondering since you have this background in evolution, if you could help us like place the chimpanzees and the humans in the primate family.
1: That is a great question. I'd love to talk about that. So, chimpanzees and humans are both alive today. So, chimpanzees are not our ancestors, like you said. Instead, if we go back in time about eight million years, There was some sort of critter crawling around in the forests that was like the great, 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 great great grandparent of both chimpanzees and humans. And then sometime about six to eight million years ago, one line of that family tree went towards chimpanzees. And our other sister species, bonobos, who many aren't really familiar with, but they're just as closely related to us as chimpanzees. And the other branch led towards humans. So both chimpanzees and humans have evolved for the same amount of time separate from each other. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we are somewhat of evolutionary cousins to each other chimpanzees and humans. And if you want to go back in time to what our like evolutionary grandparent or shared ancestor, you'd have to go back six to eight million years.
0: And even then, it's not like that ancestor was not like a chimpanzee themselves. It was something kind of in between or maybe like just an older version of both.
1: Well, we're not actually sure. Because unfortunately, there's a bit of a gap in the fossil record during that time, which is a frustration to many people who study fossils. But what we can say is if we were to go even one step further of our next closest relative after chimpanzees, you would have a gorilla. That's our next closest living relative. So we think that our relative, our ancestor that we share with chimpanzees is probably more like the other great apes.
0: It sounds like we're kind of the black sheep of the family. Like we've departed quite a bit from the blueprint.
1: Yeah, humans have definitely branched off and we have some things that are really special and unique about us.
0: Especially when you put a human body up with a chimpanzee body, for example, you can really see the different ways that the body has adapted to different like conditions, Mm -hmm. even just the proportions are like very different.
1: But then you look in the face and the eyes. It's the eyes, I think, that are the most telling. (laughs) It's
0: so deeply familiar.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of intelligence looking back at you through those eyes. But what's really cool, and I think what's important to point out is, yes, we are very different physically from other apes like chimpanzees. As you mentioned, body proportions, also like we stand on two feet. We are not covered in thick body hair. But what's actually really unique about humans relative to other primates has a lot to do, more to do with our brains and how cooperative we are with each other, our ability to work together has really led to the big differences between humans and other apes
0: the behavior like creates different conditions exactly. that then you have to like adapt to it's really really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's all very fascinating. And on the topic of things that the body has adapted to do, this kind of brings us to our first category that we rate animals on. If this is your first time ever listening to this podcast, our whole deal is that we review animals by rating them out of 10. And the first category is effectiveness, which is physical adaptations, like ways that the animal's body has adapted tools they have in their belt to do the things that they are trying to do, whether that is find their own food not become food themselves, things like that. Shannon, what do you give chimpanzees out of 10 for effectiveness?
1: For physical effectiveness, I would, and in my unbiased opinion, give chimpanzees probably a nine or 10 out of 10. They're swinging high. They're swinging high, literally. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) So I think this comes from several different things. So as we've discussed a little bit chimpanzees, what they need to do to succeed in their environment is they need to move to find their food and they need to, often, they're very social animals, they need to work together and build these social relationships. And then once they have their food, they also need to figure out how to break it open and eat it. But if we're just talking about their physical adaptations, the number one thing that I think really makes chimpanzees well adapted to their environment is their dexterity. So if you look at a chimpanzee's hands, they're going to look extremely similar to a human's. They have nails, just like us, instead of claws. And this is a trait that's pretty common across primates. This allows us to have potentially very good dexterity. So think about how good people are at playing the piano or texting or You know, writing with a pen and pencil. It's because we have very good fine motor skills there. And chimpanzees also have really great fine motor skills. But they're not using that for texting, of course. (laughs) They're using it for things like grabbing their food. Their gripping hands help them be very good climbers along with really strong, long arms. Chimpanzees are actually about five times stronger than an adult human man. So they're incredibly, incredibly strong, despite the fact that they're not actually, they're not larger than us in their overall body size.
0: I did a little bit of digging into this some time ago. We were doing an episode on (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons classes. amazing, And which animals best (laughs) like fit into different Dungeons and Dragons classes. And the prompt was an animal for the fighter class. Yes. And I chose the chimpanzee for the fighter class because of their high strength. The thing that I had read about this, about their strength and why chimpanzees were like so much stronger than humans. And maybe this is something you can give me some more context about, was because of the types of fibers their muscles were made out of.
1: Oh, wow. So there are people (laughs) who study that. I can't really speak to what fibers their muscles are made out of, but they are definitely strong animals. I mean, they're also all day long climbing up and down, They can, you know, do like one-armed pull-ups all day, no problem. And then anecdotally, chimpanzees are not only like super strong, but they do these very big aggressive displays. And this is a way for them to assert their dominance and involves males in particular will puff up their hair so that they look really big and they'll throw objects around and they'll make loud noises and drum on trees to make this kind of intimidating display. And I was once in the way of one while I was in the field. I was on the trail as one of the males came like rushing down past me oh, no. and I couldn't get out of the way quickly enough. And I did get punched, <gasps> <laughs> which was fine. I mean, it was uh, a male named Gimli was not trying to hurt me. It was more of just like, a, oh, this can be a fun effect to scare everyone else. Like I'm just this <laughs> this person's here. I'll, I'll reach out and punch them real quick as I'm running by. He was flexing on exactly. you. Exactly. He was, was flexing it on you. It was a me. power play. <laughs> um, so they are incredibly strong.
0: You mentioned something a few minutes ago that I, I wanted to kind of come back on because I think we take it for granted a lot and it's fingernails. Like... I think that we take our fingernails for granted. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like you don't really think about your fingernails being like crucial to our like daily life. But my three-year-old recently uh, lost a fingernail, oh. unfortunately. You know, it's a, a, a canon event. It happens. Yep. <laughs> I've, I've lost a fingernail. It happens. But you don't realize until you lose a fingernail how much you actually like rely on them. It gives like our fingers so much structure mm-hmm. that helps us like push against things that you, you don't think about it until it's gone. But boy, that gives you a <laughs> big advantage, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> What's going on with their feet thumbs? They have feet thumbs, right?
1: Yes. Their feet work just like their hands, which is probably one of the most important parts when it comes to their life in the trees. Their big toe is a thumb. I
0: feel like we, like, why <laughs> why didn't we think of that? That seems like they have a huge, like, a huge like <laughs> advantage over us like <laughs> we'd like to be so proud of our beautiful thumbs mm-hmm. that let us do all this stuff but like we're only at like 50 percent <laughs> thumb capacity
1: yeah we need to maximize thumb capacity so what's great is their feet aren't just used like feet they use their feet just like hands so of course they're walking on them but they're climbing up trees and they're also able to use their feet to grab things and to use their feet even involved in, in grooming or to hold objects that they're moving around. Moms will sometimes use their feet to hold on to kids that are trying to crawl away. Their feet are very, very useful. And what's fun, too, is sometimes when they're napping or just laying on the ground resting, they'll hold their feet with their hands. So they'll just have one foot, oh. one hand on each <laughs> foot, just kind of like in a yoga pose that's very blissful Mm -hmm. and
0: also it made me think of if you had like a romantic partner and you like held feet like had your (laughs) your toes intertwined with each other that's very romantic well
1: to shout out to another primate there's a monkey called the tt monkey uh and they actually they are in pair bonds so it's this kind of monogamous one male one female for life kind of thing these pairs will intertwine their tails together as a way to like hold hands and it's incredibly adorable. So please Google that. That's one of my recommendations. And that kind of reminds me of another thing that chimpanzees really use their fingertips for is grooming. So if you're not familiar with social grooming, but it's basically a way for chimpanzees to push through the hair of their their friends or for themselves to pick out little bugs and dirt and irritants in order to keep themselves clean, but also it's a way It's almost a social currency. It's a way of potentially expressing friendship or a bond with each other. And having really dexterous fingers, fingers that can comb through the fur to get at all of those little bits and pieces, is a really big part of their lives. They spend hours and hours a day grooming.
0: Their love language is physical touch. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And I think when we think about chimpanzees, we often are thinking of, you know, Planet of the Apes. You know, horrible news stories about people who have them as pets, which is extremely ill-advised. And the reality of chimpanzee life is that they are spending a lot of time just quiet with each other, just grooming each other, napping, kids are playing. It's not always these like big aggressive moments and fights that you see in documentaries and things. But a lot of chimpanzee life is actually slow, eating fruit, spending time with others and developing these really strong social relationships.
0: Hey, friends, we are going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our friends on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we are rating ingenuity and aesthetics for chimpanzees. So stay with us. Have you ever wanted to know the sad lore behind Chuck E. Cheese's love of birthday parties? Or
1: my Saturday mornings were reserved for cartoons?
0: Or have you wanted to know how beloved virtual pet site Neopets fell into the hands of Scientologists?
1: Or how a former Mattel employee managed to grow Sega into a video game powerhouse?
0: Join us, hosts Austin and Brenda, and learn all of these things and more at Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, now on Maximum Fun.
1: The following are real reenactments of pretend emergency calls. 911?
0: My husband! It's my husband! Calm down, please. What about your husband? He, he loads the dishwasher wrong. Please help! Please <laughs> help me! Where are you now, ma'am? At the kitchen table. I was with my dad. He mispronounces
1: words intentionally. There are plenty of podcasts on the hunt for justice, but only one podcast has the courage to take on the silly crimes. Judge John Hodgman, the only true crime podcast that won't leave you feeling sad and bad and scared for once. Only on MaximumFun.org.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that chimpanzees kind of have this reputation for being very violent, being very aggressive with each other, especially like you mentioned, you know, you see horror stories of chimpanzees turning on humans, and there's just a lot more to their behavior and to what's going on in their heads than than I think what we usually talk about. So that kind of brings us very cleanly into the next category that we rate animals on, which is ingenuity, which is just behavioral adaptations, what they're actually doing with their body to solve problems that they face or live together and navigate the world together. What do you give chimpanzees out of 10 for ingenuity?
1: I give chimpanzees a 10 out of 10 for ingenuity. I think like it has to be right. Like this is where they really (laughs) shine and deservedly so. So chimpanzees are really cool in terms of their behavior in a lot of different ways. Chimpanzees are really smart and they're able to use that intelligence to kind of solve problems that are both in the environment around them and in their social lives. And I think this is really illustrated in two great elements of of chimps one is their tool use. So this was made famous by Jane Goodall when she observed tool use at Gombe, specifically in a chimpanzee named David Graybeard, and she, a very cool name a for very a chimpanzee. Cool name. He had a very gray beard, so it was fitting. She observed termite fishing. So essentially if we think of, you know, that moment in the Lion King where you have these big termite mounds, they're basically these small hills that are filled with termites living inside and termites along with other bugs are a great protein source for chimpanzees they love to snack on termites but they live inside these mounds so it's really hard to actually get to them what chimpanzees do is they use their brains so they will find like a long stick or a long twig and use it as almost a fishing pole where they'll stick it into the entrance holes of the termite mound and wiggle it around and the termites will attack the stick, thinking that it's an invader. And when that happens, the chimpanzee can pull the stick out and then munch on what is essentially a termite popsicle.
0: We love working smarter, not harder.
1: Exactly. And this is, as I mentioned, a really great protein source for them. So it's really important. So they use tools for things like termite fishing, but they've also been at other sites – they've been shown to use nut cracking stones. So they will find a big flat stone that we can call like an anvil you would see. And they'll put a palm nut on it. And then they'll find a smaller rock. And they'll use it to smash open the palm nut to get inside where there's a really calorie dense little pocket of food.
0: Rather than having to like break their teeth trying to like crunch the whole thing open. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Because actually their jaws aren't strong enough to open it. So you can see actually where I work at Gombe, we have palm nuts and the baboons that live there are strong enough to crack them open with their jaws. They're eating the palm nuts, but the chimpanzees at my site don't know how to use the hammer anvil tool to crack open the nuts or they've never been shown to do it. So it's definitely evidence of it's about their intelligence or their culture that enables them to access these different foods.
0: It's interesting that you said that the ones that you worked with didn't do that, Mm -hmm. because that would imply to me or suggest that like, it's not an instinct. No. Like, it's not like a thing they're just born knowing how to do that, like someone has to teach them to do it.
1: Yeah. Social learning is a huge area of study for a lot of people who study chimpanzees and other primates. Um, How do chimpanzees learn to do new things? And what kinds of things are they better at learning than others?
0: Did you get to witness any sort of like what looked like Hmm. learning to you in the
1: chimpanzees you worked with? So these kind of like learning to crack open a palm nut with a rock is kind of like a, a massive moment that anyone would build their career on. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see something like that. But I did get to see a lot of different ways, though, that young chimpanzees learn. Chimpanzees learn a lot about their environment through things like social play, by exploring their surroundings while mom's present, but they don't, unlike humans, they don't learn through things like active teaching. Their moms are there and will help take care of them, but they're not always showing them how to do things and and keeping in mind what their kids know and don't know and slowing them down the process and showing them step by step. And instead, chimpanzee youngsters really have to watch very, very closely to learn how these different skills are, are done, like termite fishing. So they're learning more by example. Exactly. They learn by example. And there is some evidence that young female chimpanzees are better learners than young male chimpanzees, that they're better at wow. watching mom <laughs> and learning from her than, than their you know brothers are. So that's one way that chimpanzees use their brains to help solve problems when it comes to their foods and their surroundings. But the other way that they really use their behavior is through their social system. So chimpanzees have what we call, fancy science term, a fission-fusion social system. The way I describe this is that imagine an elementary school. An elementary school is like a chimpanzee community. All of these individuals are working together, see each other fairly often, and know who each other are. They might even be competitive against other elementary schools, but their territories don't overlap.
0: There's a fierce kindergarten rivalry. fierce
1: rivalry. (laughs) (laughs) But within that elementary school, you're not all moving around, all grade levels, all ages all together. Instead, you are broken up into your individual classrooms. And that's what happens for chimpanzees as well. They live in their big community, But day-to-day, they separate into what are called parties. These parties can change up who's in that party day-to-day. So imagine if you're at school and you have a music class that's not only your classroom, but your neighbor, neighboring classroom as well. So you all get together for that or for PE. So these parties are constantly changing who's present, but overall, everybody knows each other and gets along. Now that's a little bit more complicated than we see in other groups of animals where everybody knows each other and they all travel together all at the same time.
0: Yeah, one thing that comes to mind is that I I've often seen chimpanzee like social dynamics in contrast with bonobos mm-hmm. uh which based on what I've heard like is a little bit chiller. It sounds yeah. like <laughs>
1: Yeah, they've always been pitched as like the hippie ape.
0: (laughs) Which is a vibe. Like that's, that sounds nice. (laughs) They have a great life. I've actually been up close in in a zoo setting, at least like to uh, bonobos, but not to chimpanzees. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen chimpanzees in a zoo, but I I have been like very up close to a bonobo in a zoo and it had that feeling of like connection of like, Mm -hmm. wow, this isn't it's an animal, but it's also me a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) which I think is so special.
1: That's part of the reason why I
0: really love chimps. I feel like connected to nature.
1: You know what I mean? Mm hmm. It blurs that line between what are we doing and what are what are my like daily stresses and what is kind of the world around us. We should all be I think grooming each other more. Yeah, more snuggles. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dog would agree.
0: Yeah, do- the dogs everywhere are like absolutely this is based at, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to also go back to something that you mentioned earlier, because this is probably something that a lot of people have heard chimpanzees referenced in usually like news stories or in like media. You usually hear horror stories of chimpanzees in human care Mm -hmm. gone horribly, horribly wrong. This is kind of like a major plot point in uh, the, the movie Nope. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. It's the the Jordan Peele. It's a scary movie. So if you're not into scary movies, I, could, I, I <laughs> had to kind of convince myself to watch it. But it's really, really good. But you hear this a lot of like people kind of biting off more than they can chew and getting a chimpanzee that they intend to just keep in their house. And then that does not pan out.
1: No, and importantly, that doesn't pan out for anybody because chimpanzees and well, nearly all wild primates are extremely social animals. So we can give them their, you know, what foods they need to eat or even, you know, their environments they need to stay engaged. But really, the one of the most important parts of life for chimpanzees and other primates is their friendships, their bonds with each other, and they're extremely social. So That's one of the things that's really um, missing from their lives when they're in these inappropriate captive settings.
0: You never hear about that like being like, oh, captive chimp passes away peacefully of old age. No problem.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that is, for example, whenever we see pictures of chimpanzees in the media or when they used to be, they're not really in film anymore if they're not CGI. But all of those were young chimps and one of the ways you can distinguish that is their faces typically get darker as they age so if there's a chimpanzee with you know black fur but like a fairly pale face and pale hands that means they're pretty young and the reality is once they're older they are extremely strong extremely intelligent animals and they should be respected for that so that's one reason why you know we should really make sure that these are wild animals and they don't belong they're not pets So we should not be trying to have them as pets.
0: You know, from what I've heard, people who study animals in the wild, in a a wild setting, yes, you are out there observing the animal, but they are also observing you. Like they also (laughs) know that you are there and they are trying to figure you out too. So I was wondering if you noticed any way that like when you were working in Tanzania, did the chimps seem to sort of respond to your presence in any particular way?
1: So there's a lot of individual variation. So when we think of wild animals, and I think a lot of biologists would agree, or even if you're a pet owner, not all animals act the same. So within the groups that I observed, there's a lot of differences between some animals, some chimpanzees, who would be more skittish. They'd be definitely nervous when I was around You know, I would have to keep an even greater distance from them. You always keep a a safe distance between yourself and the chimpanzee. And we always wear masks, surgical masks, when we're in the forest. Because as we mentioned, they're so closely related to us. We want to keep them healthy and safe. And that includes both from any kind of sicknesses or diseases. But also we want them to feel safe. So we're always at a safe distance, which is about five meters minimum. But some individuals, I would just know that one female... Afro, short for Aphrodite, she was always very nervous. So I would give her even more space. Whereas some individuals who were born into the study, because all of these chimps have been studied for almost their entire lives, they were completely nonplussed by me being there. They could not care less.
0: (laughs) You're just part of the foliage at that point. Pretty much
1: at that point. (laughs) Like if I were to like, stumble in the forest while they're taking a nap, they might like look at me as if like, how dare you (laughs) make noise while I'm sleeping. There was one author wrote a book about Gombe, and I really like the characterization of the researchers. The author called us the ghosts of Gombe, where we are these ghosts that are just kind of like quietly, peacefully haunting these chimps through the forest, following them through their lives. Wow. I like that.
0: I think we should apply that to more like ghost stories, yeah. like stories about like paranormal stories. As ghosts are just like observers who are trying to study us, yeah,
1: just like <laughs> benevolent observers.
0: <laughs> but also, the hope is that you are also like a ghost, not particularly disturbing. Exactly, you know, the setting, and maybe not leaving any sort of physical impression on the setting. You're just kind, of, and like, you don't want to be a poltergeist, exactly. You want to be
1: a friendly ghost. <laughs> you want to be Casper. Even less less of an impact than Casper. So that's a great point. When we're studying behaviors, we want it to be as natural as possible. So we want the chimps to forget that we're there, to feel so comfortable with our presence that they will act just as they would if we weren't there.
0: What if they were saving all their coolest, like, they're like, oh, we got to put away our more complicated and advanced tools because the humans are here. I
1: bet they are. <laughs> They know. They're like,
0: (laughs) we've got company. (laughs) Get out the good sticks. Yeah,
1: I have colleagues who take video of behaviors as part of their data collection. And I know it's always when like, they're changing their batteries or something that that's when everything exciting really happens. I actually wanted to circle back on one other thing about ingenuity that I really think is worth highlighting. A lot of people probably don't know this, but... Chimpanzees are pretty big, right? They're slightly smaller than the average person, but they also like to sleep in the trees, which doesn't sound very comfortable to me. So the way that chimpanzees get around this is they actually build nests to sleep in every single night. They look like giant bird nests where they will go up into a branch and then fold back the foliage until it's this giant cup to lay in. And then babies will sleep in the nests with moms and snuggle all night. And it is exceptionally adorable. And that's actually where we, how we find the chimps often, is we go to where they made their nests last night. We go out in the morning to go find their nests and wait until they wake up to follow them again. Aww.
0: That's so cute. Is it like they make one nest and like that's their nest for a while? Or is it like every night they have to make a new one?
1: Every night they make a new one. And then sometimes they also will make a napping nest for during the day
0: oh, sorry, (laughs) can't, couldn't possibly dream of napping in your bedtime bed. Yes.
1: So I have to say on, on the days where I'm like, the chimpanzees are running through the forest all day, you know, scaling cliffs, doing all this stuff where I have to keep up behind them in the forest with my scrawny little legs. Um, (laughs) When I would see one of them start making a day nest, and I knew it was going to be nap time for about an hour to an hour and a half. I was like, Yes. Wonderful. I get to sit down. I get to catch up on all my notes about what's happening. It sounds
0: like there's a lot of overlap with having a toddler.
1: Yes. I I, I don't have a toddler, but I can see how they're both equally exhausting experiences.
0: Because I also get really excited when I see that nap time is coming up. (laughs) So I feel like there's some overlap. They seem like just buff toddlers.
1: Extremely buff toddlers. And again, if you're trying to collect urine samples, I imagine it's you know, the gross elements are there as well.
0: I mean, who needs potty training, right? Like, just let it fly. (laughs) I know that a lot of animals that like have a nest a lot of times will like, try not to at least soil their nest with their body waste. But hopefully they didn't go too far away that it made it difficult for you to collect your samples.
1: No, so like us, actually, after chimpanzees have been like resting for a while, and they're about to go travel. Just like us about to go on a road trip, they always go to the bathroom first. So smart. Yeah. So whenever they made nests, I also knew like once they wake up, they basically like perch on the edge of their nests and go to the bathroom. And I knew that would be a great chance for me to try to catch any samples.
0: Oh, you got to kind of time it with their natural rhythm. Mm -hmm. But that's also like having the forethought of being like, I don't want to have to pee while I'm driving. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm still trying to get my kids to do that.
1: Yeah. And when they're moving, it's usually because they're like, I'm hungry. Let's go eat. So they are not messing around. You mentioned that
0: when they snuggle up in their beds, (laughs) that it's really, really cute. And the little babies are in there and that the babies have the little pink faces, which I think brings us to aesthetics, which is the final category that we rate animals on. It's just how nice is this animal to look at? I can see some people are a little disturbed by the uncanny valley aspect of an animal that is so close to a human that it feels like looking at a mirror, but something's a little off about it. But also some people are comforted by it because it's an animal, but it still looks kind of familiar. So, you know, I could kind of see going either way on aesthetics, but what do you give chimpanzees out of 10 for aesthetics?
1: I definitely agree with what you were saying about I've heard people's complaints about, oh gosh, there's something in the eyes that creeps me out a little bit. I personally love it. So I'm biased, but I will still not rate them at a 10. I will rate them probably at a 7, which, if any chimp expert out there is listening to this, I'm sorry for this betrayal (laughs) for not giving them a 10. Um, And here's my logic behind that there are a lot of other primates that have really gorgeous coloration. That's true. They're kind of like tropical fish and birds. And chimpanzees aren't evolved to stand out in their environments. So they're not very flashy or colorful. Um, They're this kind of, you know, anywhere from dark brownish to, to black to gray.
0: So maybe just a little bit of a more earthy palette.
1: Yeah, exactly. More neutral. And the other element that I think of as icky despite my love for them is there's this element of life for a female chimpanzee not to get too graphic at all but when they are fertile or getting ready to reproduce they get these really large swellings on their bottoms they're giant pink swellings and it looks incredibly uncomfortable and not to shame them but some females have really lumpy swellings and then, not to get too crass, but their poop can also get stuck on it.
0: Oh, that's not great. <laughs> so
1: whenever <laughs> it happens, I'm like, ooh, girl, I'm so sorry that you're going through this right now. Like, can I get you a cream or yeah, something? Yeah, like, exactly. It's
0: Do I need to run to the pharmacy real quick? Yeah,
1: <laughs> so that's pretty gross. So that, <laughs> with all love to them, chimpanzees that's going to dock from their score. However, (laughs) what's bringing it back though is the adults can be so strong and majestic looking. The males, when they puff up and they look huge and muscular, that's just awe-inspiring, I think. I think there's something really striking about the intelligence behind their eyes. And then finally, and most importantly, baby chimpanzees are probably the most adorable creatures on this planet
0: the ears are putting in a lot of work i the think ears, the ears are doing a lot their
1: <laughs> eyes are always looking around just like so excited for everything they see and they are constantly playing they are constantly exploring and they have the cutest little hands and feet and they're just these little fluff balls and they're so adorable and if we're not just talking about like what they look like but also what they sound like chimpanzees laugh which a lot of people don't know. Do they really? They do laugh. I've never heard that. It's more like if you were to take a human laugh and just do the breath sounds behind it. So it's just like a... Not to like ASMR everyone, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's this like breathy little laugh sound and they do, especially the youngsters when they're playing with each other and it's so cute and so sweet. So that is definitely a big part of their aesthetics rating.
0: I have heard, and please do tell me if this is, you know, complete nonsense that I just heard somewhere, but I have heard that smiles mean something very different Mm -hmm. to, I think it was chimpanzees, that smiling is like, not a friendly gesture to a chimpanzee.
1: So what we think of as a smile is actually what we call a fear grimace Uh in chimpanzees (laughs) and, and a lot of other primates. So the sight of a chimpanzee smiling should actually be like fear-inducing. But instead, they do have indicators that they are happy or excited, and that's called a play face. So unlike smiling, it's usually like their mouth is open and they're showing their teeth, like their, their jaw is open. And it's a way of kind of like when dogs play bow or when they have their like tails really wagging. It's a way to say, let's keep playing. I'm so excited. This is really fun
0: so the teeth together is bad yeah teeth apart yeah and it's, it's like
1: <laughs> it's hard to describe because it's like a glow in their eyes <laughs> if they're smizing and it's and it's context sad. dependent too so if it's in a situation where they're playing with each other it makes sense for it to be a playface. whereas if you know a big male comes into the group and there's a younger male who's not very tough yet he might fear grimace
0: Oh, I see. So they're they're doing a lot of communication with their facial expressions. With their faces, with
1: with sounds. Yeah. So Shannon,
0: I have had an amazing time learning about chimpanzees here, as I'm sure everybody else listening has. For people who are listening are like, wow, I'm hooked. I have to. I need somewhere to go with this chimpanzee hype. Could you let our friends listening know if there are any like projects that you're involved with right now or, you know, places where people can keep up with anything that you're working on or just anywhere you want people to go next, if there's something you want people to know about or where where people can go after listening to this?
1: Yeah, so if you want to hear more about what I'm doing moving forward with my dissertation and studying chimps, or to see any photos of the chimps I took while I was in Tanzania for the year, I'm on Instagram at, at Shannon underscore Roybus, R-O-I-V-A-S. And then one thing that I'm involved in is called Roots and Shoots. It's organized by the Jane Goodall Institute, and it's a global organization for young people to get involved in positive change in their communities. So you can check out on their website to see if there's a chapter near you to get involved into how to make positive changes. If you're interested in things like animal conservation or ecology, that's a fun place for either of all ages, anyone of all ages can get involved.
0: Awesome. I'll include a link to that in the episode description. And of course, a link to your Instagram as well so that anybody listening can just scroll and click right on through and go check those things out. Shannon, it has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your passion and your time with us today. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that the chimpanzee has made a big old bowl-shaped nest right in the branches of your heart. If you liked what you heard today, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice. If you want to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and TikTok. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can also send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. I'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other amazing shows like the ones that you heard promos for here today. You can go check those out and learn more about the network and how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.